It's still funny, it's fun, it nicely builds the themes from the first film, and in many ways I think brings a maturity to it that you wouldn't expect from a kid's film. I do believe, to my core, that Shrek 2 has one of the greatest sequences of visual storytelling ever committed to film. And what's that one? That is the I need a hero sequence. The tightness of very efficient storytelling. Four or five or six different moments where character arcs and beats are paid off in this moment and it's very satisfying. Uh, and it's all set to a wonderful score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Flixwater Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Liz. Hello. Zach. Hello. And Helen. Hello. And we are Shrekly Ever After, or Shrek 2, or yeah, we're doing Shrek 2. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of Flitchwash Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Zach and Liz. If you could please say hello and tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Uh, hello. Uh, well, I'm Liz Campbell and this is my good friend Zach. Hello. And yes, we're uh, we're here today not just to talk about fun movies, but um, also because there's a new podcast series coming out that is designed by Zach and designed uh, by well it's it's hard to it's an actual play <laughs> podcast it's hard to it's not written by Zach it's kind of you know encouraged and babied and kind of like you know I love this. brought forth from the, from Guys, the darkness Guys if you can see Zach. Zach, Zach is like melting it's like I know I want more people up. to describe actual play <laughs> podcasts as being gently lulled into submission yeah just like kinda, well just like coaxed into into reality um it's it's, uh, it's yeah. a it's a it's an actual play show uh which is basically improv storytelling with a game system i was going to ask so i'm glad you pulled that in there guys so explain what that means actually <laughs> so basically uh i am on our first campaign uh, if you know anything about games like dungeons and dragons it's kind of like that i mm -hmm. run the game and i'm the quote unquote storyteller but really everything's run by the players at the table who get to make all of the, the fun wacky decisions in the fantastical fantasy world that we find ourselves in and liz plays the uh wonderful zongroff growl shack a uh orc uh, who is a member of the local guard who stumbles into some precarious situations. Can you tell us a bit about Zongroff, Liz? Well, uh, in the first campaign, which launches on the 18th of August, 2021, <laughs> it's a uh, fantasy mystery uh, going through a city trying to stop the end of the world. And um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a real good time. So, so check I, that I'm out. <laughs> I know a couple of, I know uh, another player, um, 
Maddie Searle, who I'm working with on another couple of podcasts. Yes, she's yeah, she's wonderful. She's uh, she uh, Maddie Searle is also in it, who you'll know from uh, shows like Stella Firma, The Prick Willow Papers. Uh, mm-hmm. She plays a wonderful necromancer, very awkward student, and the show features a, a, a just a bevy of wonderful guest players who've been on this show before, from Felix Trench and uh, has Beth Air been on here before? She Beth has. Air's been on here, so pretty Beth much everyone Air, from Wooden Overcoats, which is. Basically, the Wooden Overcoats cast, uh, who you'll know, uh, and just a bunch of other wonderful voices from uh, the audio drama scene uh, can be found in Realms of Peril and Glory, the name of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Probably should have mentioned that at the top. I feel like we forgot. Sorry, that was I dropped the ball on that one. I think that's fine. I mean, you guys are returning guests before you came on for um, Cabin in the Woods and also Life of Brian. Yeah. So thank you very much for rejoining us. Hopefully, I'm mean, well, that shows that the experience wasn't too traumatic for you last time. <laughs> we loved it. We uh, talk about it all the time. We yeah, genuinely we do. do. <laughs> it's a lovely time. Uh, and we today we're talking about Shrek, which is your choice, Zach. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it, and then I'll get the stopwatch. This has changed since you last turned up. I'm going to oh. set a countdown timer. You have literally oh. less than sixty seconds uh, to tell us the synopsis. So first of all, why did you choose it? Well, the reason I chose Shrek 2 and not Shrek 1, uh, which feels like it might be the the decision to make go for the first one, I feel like Shrek 2 is in every way a superior film to Shrek 1. It elevates the themes of Shrek 1 and it takes them further and makes them funnier, makes them more relatable. Uh, and it's wonderful. Overall, I think it's a film I'm very nostalgic of from my childhood. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, to be honest, to this day, it still stands up as a very funny and entertaining film. And I think that's worth discussing. Okay. And the timer starts now. Oh, uh, Shrek <laughs> 2 is about, of course, the titular Shrek, uh, who has married the beautiful princess Fiona. They both uh, are ogres who live in a swamp. And they are summoned to the, the kingdom of far, far away to meet the in-laws. And, of course, everyone's expectations are not as they seem. Uh, the in-laws, of course, wish he was Prince Charming. And Shrek, of course, wishes that he were anywhere but here and in that comedy ensues you have the wonderfully villainous jennifer saunders as the fairy godmother in pursuit of toxic perfection and altogether it comes together into a wonderful take on the fantasy and fairy tale genre uh, that i would highly recommend you check out five four three <laughs> two one <laughs> there we go well done well done <laughs> so yeah um Liz, what are your thoughts on Shrek 2? Um, I like Shrek 2. Good film. <laughs> okay, hello. <laughs> That's a quote for the poster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, 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 have, I can say more to sh- uh, about Shrek 2 and probably will because we've got some time to kill on this podcast. But um, at the end of the day, really, it's just a film I watch and go, oh, that's a nice film. That's a, mm. a nice film. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's still funny. It's fun. I agree with Zach that it really nicely builds the themes from the first film. And in many ways, I think kind of brings a maturity to it that you wouldn't expect from a what's essentially a kid's film. You know, mm. the, the end of the first film leaves us off kind of saying, well, you know, open your heart to someone and you can be accepted and and. Uh, you know, it would be tempting to leave Shrek in a kind of place where all of his problems seem solved. And I think it is actually quite an interesting thing for the second movie to be like, oh, no, actually, he thinks that he solved his problems, but that 
insecurity that's, you know, been with him his whole life stays with you, you know, even even if you have found a person and um, facing facing the world's a different thing. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's good film. Yeah, it's a good film. And I did know this time it's, it's a universal to you, which I didn't realize the first time watching it. And I think it does cap it does the themes in there are quite a lot more adult. Um, and it's where you can see that this kind of animation, Pixar, DreamWorks specifically, they do try and walk that tightrope between adults friendly, adult friendly and kid friendly at the same time. But uh, yeah, interesting themes. Helen, what are your thoughts on Shrek 2 and or Shrek in, ge- in general? I have seen the first Shrek once and that's kind of my... Knowledge, experience. <laughs> It's one of those films where it's it's not for me. It's I, I think it's somewhere between the... If you've listened to the episodes that we've had on um, Stardust and A Princess Bride, they're not my thing. And I think this is, would fall into a similar kind of genre. But I also think I have kind of limited time for films that are mostly made up of ceiling bits from other films. I, I kind of like the message that Liz was talking about being in there. But for some reason, I just find Mike Myers in this and Donkey just really irritating. And Fiona, actually. I don't like any of the characters, which I think for me... Not even Puss in Boots? <laughs> Antonio Banderas' greatest role of all time? The little eyes. The little, the little eyes. eyes. As a, as a no, cat I mean... person, Helen, you've got a cat which looks very similar to Puss in Boots, who will likely appear on screen at some point. <laughs> I have. And also it came with the great fact that apparently Antonio Banderas has many cats, which he studied for the role of Puss in Boots to ensure that he (laughs) played it with authenticity, which I can't say that he didn't do a good cat. I I just have a mental image of him at home surrounded by cats wearing what I assume is like, you know, a low cut blue song kind of in Mm. the wind, just being like his actual Zorro costume. His act. Yeah. Just, you know, I assume there's always like a breeze wherever Antonio Banderas is. (laughs) So he can just kind of, yeah. Um, that's great. Notes as he goes along. Yeah. It's a recorder. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to study this for later. Ah, yes. Wet food. Delicious. Oh no. Furball. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's it's kind of it's interesting you said that this was a film from your childhood because I think for a lot of people who really love Shrek like it is one of those defining films and to have kind of a character like Shrek and there's what like four films three films five four films, four, four films they're making a fifth now apparently uh, they say that we'll see I didn't know there was a fourth one till this watch till I went on Netflix and went, why is there so many Shrekses? <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose if you're counting like the shorts, there's more of them because I think they did like so, yeah. holiday themed shorts as well. DreamWorks I'm... has like one IP. Okay. <laughs> they need so to get their money's worth. Hey, they've got How to Train Your Dragon. That's no. that's mm. that's the best. Valid. Um, Valid. I think what you're saying, Liz, about you go and you go on to you went to Netflix and were like Oh, there's so many more of these. It's kind of my my experience with it because I I really enjoyed Shrek One when it first came out, and I enjoyed Shrek Two when it first came out, and it's it's nostalgic to me. On I watched it when traveling after university, and for some reason we're in Bangkok and we went to watch Shrek, which is a waste of. So what you must do in Bangkok, if, of course. 
think probably because it was aircon cinema or something. It was probably, probably so hot. Was. Yeah. yeah. Probably, I think it was like just that time of the day. We're like, okay, we've got two hours to kill. Let's go and watch. Let's go and do something. So I remind, I, I kind of associated with that. I haven't seen it since then, and that was like twenty years ago. And when Shrek Three came out, I was like. You know, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. Um, and that's kind of... <laughs> but I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and it's kind of like a humdrum film, I think. But I, I, I'm not sure I'm interested in watching any more Shrek's films. And I, I don't know why that is. They, they do are. go downhill from here. So if you're already yeah. like, I think I'm on the edge with Shrek 2, mm. don't mm. go into Shrek 3. Shrek 3. So I watched all of them in preparation for this why liz liz you do this all the time you watched all of marvel before endgame i did it was not worth it um (laughs) isn't that that, i mean that's that's surely acceptable before endgame well this is it but like in quick succession (laughs) that's yeah that's true um well i'm actually i say i watched all of them i've actually got uh shrek forever after the fourth one on my tv right behind you guys i'm uh 10 minutes to the end um i mean I won't go into those ones because we're talking about Shrek 2, but um, yeah, I think you're fine stopping there. You're you're probably fine. (laughs) (laughs) Probably fine after two. They're based on books, right? Or is like some of them based on books? I think the first one is based on a a picture book, like like Mm -hmm. a... Just a picture book. Well, like The Snowman, like Raymond Briggs' Snowman. Yeah, kind of along that line. It wasn't like based on like like young adult novels or like Mm. actual prose. It's, It's a storybook. It's not... It, it's not like there was a a lore and mythos built out for them to pull on. The ancient tomes <laughs> of Shrek. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. I, I read somewhere that actually the, the writers of Shrek, the, the first one, who obviously mm. did very well for themselves, uh, didn't want to come back for Shrek 2 because the pitch from the studio was basically the movie that was made and they thought um, that was the wrong direction. They wanted to make something that was a lot closer to existing fairy tales. So it's, basically new writers for Shrek 2. I mean, it's one of those films that has like, you know, 12 writers kind of credited. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. Um, but, how can we, put, how can we make this funnier? Um, <laughs> um, you know, Shrek 2, whether whether you personally liked, you know, it did quite well. So I'm sure those writers are kicking yeah. themselves in their own way. I think this has kind of revitalized Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy's career at that point, which uh, obviously they weren't, lang- they weren't like starved of cash, but at the same time probably weren't doing much and to be honest, I don't think we've been doing much recently. Either. Oh, oh, sorry, I'll take that back. Uh, Eddie Murphy's been doing good stuff on on Netflix mm. with The Dolomite Is My Name and yeah-ish with Coming to America. Um, so his star's rising-ish again, but um, those guys made a lot of money out of it. And I think he oh, yeah. pushed Eddie, Eddie Murphy in particular over the edge into one of the most highest paid actors like of all time just from this just from this series. I find it really interesting with with the careers of the people who are in this, who after they were in Shrek, mm. just fucking vanished and didn't do shit. <laughs> like for ages afterwards, except Shrek, it's like Cameron Diaz, Mike Myers, and Eddie Murphy. It's like right at that time when Shrek got popular, like around Shrek 2, Shrek 3, that's when they stopped appearing in other stuff. You know, Eddie Murphy, huge, amazing. You know, you think about his comedy specials, he was getting mm. into the family film business of stuff. And, you know, you think like Haunted Mansion was around that time, uh, a big Disney film. And then like Shrek properly took over the zeitgeist and he just wasn't in that much after that point same with mike myers it's like it's like love guru was like probably between two and three of shrek and it's like well 
we're not going to go watch any more Mike Myers after Love Guru. <laughs> and, you know, so and it's the same with Cameron Diaz. She didn't do too much huge stuff. It's kind of just after the peak of her career. And, and I where think Cameron Diaz is more, from what I understand, it's more her kind of decision to take a step away from the limelight a bit more. She's practically retired, hasn't she? She yeah. hasn't yeah. done anything in years. It's a cushy job to to, you know, do these things you get to rock up to a voice booth, do some acting for a bit, and, you know, nobody has to do your hair and makeup. You don't have to worry about people going, ooh, they've gotten a bit old or whatever on camera. <laughs> like, you can just don't have go to and mug in a booth. Out. Exactly. Mm. Uh, which was Mike Myers' signature move anyway. So, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, well, you yeah. know, in Eddie Murphy and Mike Myers' case, oh, I've got to change into prosthetics to play my third character. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, I mean, I like... I, the first time I watched, I really enjoyed it. This time, I think I, I think I just knew it was diminishing returns because I think the first time you watch it is is the biggest impact. And I think had I watched it as a as a kid for the first time versus twenty four, twenty five, then it would it probably would be my, one of my favorite films. But I think the quality just isn't there. Like with with the earlier Pixar's, for example, where yeah, I watched that twenty 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 four, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And each time I watch it now, even though like Toy Story does look a bit dated, I'm still like, this is amazing um whereas when i was watching it this time apart from the similar bits of puss in boots i was like yeah I'm, yeah oh yeah that's just Put, yeah, that's fine oh, puss in boots come on man i um, mean i do i just want to quickly say and i will i'll come back to this later and let you continue what you're saying Liz. i do completely agree with you however sure i i do believe to my core that shrek 2 has one of the greatest sequences of visual storytelling ever committed to quote unquote film and what's that one that is the i need a hero sequence the tightness of very efficient storytelling in that sequence is a pure delight like the the song is wonderful it's an incredible rendition of the song by jennifer saunders there's you follow like three or four like different beats and lines throughout moments of character arcs are paid off in shots in a very glorious way if you you could break and i have you could break <laughs> this sequence down into just moments where like four or five or six different moments where character arcs and beats are paid off in this moment and it's very satisfying for me uh, and it's all set to a wonderful score <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel that the score is another thing that particularly during this era, films were basically one long mixtape where yeah. occasionally there was just particularly no plot and it was just an excuse for a cover version or a song. And it feels a bit like this, like, please ever, never, ever do this to David Bowie. There's a particularly... Changes. Oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. that. I like oh, that. Oh, <laughs> see, I, I really like that. In fact, in fact, I will, you know, don't take our word for it. David Bowie liked that cover so much. He did the backup <laughs> vocals to a cover of his own song by no Butterfly <laughs> Boucher. Is that Who? right? Quite. I saw her open for Sarah <laughs> McLaughlin once in 2004, which is, you know, is a very 2004 comment right there. Um. But uh, I, I think the, the music's fantastic. I mean, I think in comparison to, uh, you know, if you look at the Disney animation stuff, obviously there's a, a, a real um, 
drive to make musicals, so so original songs. And this one does mm. have some original songs, but I think that it has a really um, tight use of, of popular songs. Mm. Um, you know, it's I think it's more than just oh, we we need to put a, a a big band in here. That's fine. You know, everything kind of really does capture the the mood of things. I think, you know, Accidentally in Love as the opening song, which is actually like a second choice song for some, them or something. But like, that's such a, you know, I think that that goes great with the montage and really captures the tone of the feeling of setting it up and, and things like that and changes. Um, I can't even think of the names of the other ones. But yeah, no, I think the music... I like the music. I agree. I like the music. Accidentally in Love was one of its two Oscar nominations, I believe. Yeah. I think the reason that you find it... I I mean, I'm just positing here. I think the reason that it it is grading to you as the trope is because this is the starting point very much of that trope in in a big way in popular Mm. culture. Um, obviously you had some of it in Shrek 1, but really this is the film that really skyrocketed that. And then out every other animated film is like, we've got to end with a popular song and a dance yeah. number. Yeah. And I think, I think that was done to death. But I do think in this film specifically, for me anyways, it felt deserved. It, it felt thought out. It wasn't as, as uh, brutal as some of these other uh films that just shove in a popular song because it's popular yeah for example uh taking completely off the wall one shrek 3 um (laughs) which does just have some songs in it that you might recognize why they're at that point in the movie who knows who knows why it's a whole big juggernaut isn't it it's the it's the film and it's the soundtrack and then there's the toys and then there's the theme park ride um (laughs) and it all adds it to the to the obviously increasing the the overall take of a film. Mm-hmm. Um, before we head to the scores, guys, where are we on DreamWorks versus Illumination versus Pixar, Disney versus Sony versus Cartoon Saloon? <laughs> if if a film from one of those studios was to come out tomorrow, which which studio would make you the most excited to see it? I mean, I mean no. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not enough of a connoisseur, but th- surely the correct answer is Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like you again, be, I'm not you won't expert, be hunted the, down in the yeah, street for that answer. You I know. know enough to know that people will throw tomatoes, you know, through a podcast if I say anything <laughs> that's not Pixar. I don't know, Helen. Helen Zach is that the correct answer for yourselves? I mean, I guess Pixar would be the most bankable. Although I don't know, I'm may, maybe I'm just becoming less of a target audience for these kind of films that I. I'm not in a place to sort of say this would be a driver for me to go to the cinema anymore. Um, I can't remember the last Pixar film I saw at the cinema. It was it was a while ago, maybe Toy Story 3. Oh, wow. That was 11 years that's, ago. Yeah, that's a so long time ago. I'm trying to think what Might have been Toy Story that. 4 if it was more recent. I haven't seen Toy Story 4. This is how sort of waning. How? Incredibles 2? If there's ever a day you just want to cry... I would sincerely just like you know what I feel like doing today being really depressed. Toy Story <laughs> Is that for Toy Story Four, yeah. I mean, yeah. most of the Toy Stories, really. I was a little bit underwhelmed with Toy Story Three and felt that the further I got into that, the more what? I was moving away from one and two. Toby's gonna break. <laughs> you know, for me, it was one of the perfect trilogies that didn't need uh, any any four. I mean, I enjoyed four, but I did, didn't yeah. need to exist. But three for me. It, Holy shit! Anyway, that's so when yeah, you can kind of see I'm to... maybe not 
the <laughs> the target audience. I thought Soul was okay. <laughs> so that's um, the last Pixar film you saw. Yeah, but not at the cinema. So yeah. it, it has yeah. been a Who while. Who goes to the since... cinema anymore? Come on. I do. I just well, went. I saw yeah. the Suicide Squad. It was very good. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've been lots since. Yeah, it's just I don't know. My my tastes are just different. I'm just. How about you, Zach? Who's who's going to be the draw for the cinema it, for you? It, again, for me, it is going to be Pixar. Um, I just think Pixar has a better a better batting average. You know. There have been fewer films of theirs where they've kind of gone the lazy route. Whereas I think Illumination, DreamWorks, uh, Sony, they've had more films that are just kind of like, here is the Emoji Movie, a film that no one asked for and is designed purely to sell merchandise. You know, I think the laziest film Pixar has released is maybe Cars 2. And if that's, and if it's really that one or two films that they've released mm. that are actually bad, not just like, not for me, I would rather go see a Pixar film that feels like they've put the effort in even if yeah. it's not for me, than something that's just cranked out for the sake of it. I think that's what, what when you get the Despicable Me and the and the um, the Minions movies. As much as I, I think that kind of falls under the, the Shrek banner for me, I'm like, I enjoy them. Don't want to see them again. Uh, I don't know, but for me, it's just based on the last two films, which is Spider Man and Spider Verse and uh, Mitchell's versus Machines. It's, it's it's Sony for me. I, if they said there's a surprise. Sony film coming out tomorrow. Do you want to watch it? Like, yeah, I want to see exactly what you guys are doing because you're making some interesting shit at the moment. I, uh, what I would say with that is I think what you're more after is the two directors behind that. The, <laughs> the two producers is, um, God, well, what's Mitch, their name? Lord and Mitchell. Lord and Mitchell. Cause I think it's yeah. their style more than anything that feeds those films. I think mm. Sony animations done some real stinkers. <laughs> Like Sony Animation is my number zero on the list. <laughs> What's the stinkiest then? Because um... Emoji Movie. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've not seen it, but I believe. Surprise, that. surprise! I've not seen that. Yeah. No. You know, I've I had to work on down. the marketing campaign for that film. That was brutal. That heavy, heavy few. Did you not just need to send out loads of emojis to people and just go take your pick? Yeah. No, it was just watching the same TV spots over and over again in different languages. That's all wow. I did for like okay. two months. Anyway, we digress. Let's head to the scores. Yes. Hello, folks. I'm Sam. And I'm Martin. And every week for the last five years, we've got together to talk about the musician Tom Waits. He's a gravelly voice singer that sounded like he doused his vocal cords in bourbon and set fire to them with a cigarette <laughs> and wrote such classic songs as Way Down in the Hole, Downtown Train, Jersey Girl. Uh, he's also the gravelly voiced actor from films such as The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Seven Psychopaths, both of which coincidentally are on Netflix and both of which Kobe and Helen have discussed here on Flixwatcher. So make sure you check those episodes out and when you have a little bit of a taste for the magic that is Tom Waits, why not head over to songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice to listen to a little bit more about Tom Waits. So welcome back to the Flix Watcher scores. Uh, all of our scores are still out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Zach, with your recommendability. Oh, uh, Shrek 2 is an easy five out of five. I can recommend this film very easily to many people. Yeah. Well, it is. 
Yeah, I mean, I would go very high. I might do like 4.5 only because I do know there's some people who, yeah, would, you know, wouldn't be their jam. But anyone with a little little bit of joy in their soul, a little, you know, whimsy for the good old days and animated you're donkeys. To, you're, trying, you're trying to steer the, uh, steer the scores here. Uh, Helen, do you, have, do you have any whimsy or, or joy in your soul? I have gonna... no joy in my soul, it would appear. My, my joy has all been removed. Oh no! I, I am only here for heartbreak and death and <laughs> can, sorrow. Can I just say, if so, um, this <laughs> is tangential, but I need, I need to share this with somebody because I've just watched <laughs> Shrek Four. The plot of Shrek Four is he has he has a midlife crisis and brings about an alternative dystopian universe where they have to bring about the revolution. So you know, maybe, maybe that's that the one the for one you, for me. Maybe it's very weird. <laughs> I didn't hate it, but my God, is it weird! <laughs> maybe uh, that maybe this wasn't weird enough for me maybe there you go. <laughs> um i mean letterbox would agree that this is the best of the shreks um i mean it really really i really didn't get that much from it i think if you have seen any of the other shreks and enjoyed them you will like them i think if you're under 12 you'll probably think it's it's the best and you'll you'll love the songs i would find it difficult to see if kind of any adults who haven't had some kind of Shrek in their life come to it and find that much to it. So it's it's a three and a half for me. If if you if you love Shrek, you'll probably love this. If you don't, I'm not sure. I think maybe too much time has kind of passed between it coming out and now to, for it to have maybe felt maybe original as it did when it did come out, considering everything that's gone after it. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to 4.2. I think if you haven't watched Shrek 2, then yeah, try it out. Um, it's not going to be, it's not that long a film. It's not that offensive. It's got some charming bits. It's got some generally, I felt loud funny bits. Um, the whole donkey being a dick and on, on the way to the far, far away does make me, does make me laugh with the, um, <laughs> just reminded me of car journeys I had with my brothers, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Mm. And I think the kind of, um, the spoofing of other fairy tale stories, that kind of where it lost me a bit more, but things like, um, because that Puss in Boots is, is, is fantastic. So I'm going, I'm going 4.2. Uh, repeat viewing score, Zach. Repeat viewing, I can... Regular repeat viewing, I'd say is probably around... I'm going to say overall for me, it's, it's, it's a 3.5. I can keep watching this film uh, over and over again. But I'm kind of one of those weird people who will watch... Who will listen to the same song over and over and over and over again for hours. And that's fine. Uh, I think for general audiences, watch this once every every few years if you like it and you'll get your kicks from it. Uh, or if you're me, just find the YouTube clip of the I Need a Hero scene and watch that about five times every six months and your <laughs> your fix will be sorted. What, what kind of numbers are you and how many times do you think you've seen it? Oh, I can't. I couldn't. As an adult, probably around five or six. Uh, as As a child, many, many more. <laughs> Liz? Yeah, I think I'd go three maybe in that i have watched it a number of times uh i'll probably watch it again in my life what i thought was interesting is that i actually have a really terrible memory for i mean everything but uh films i've seen and i i can't remember when the last time i watched track two was i can't remember how many times i watched it uh terrible memory but what was interesting is watching it i remembered so much of it like i i knew where everything was going i knew the cadence of every joke in a, you know in a comforting way kind of thing so clearly it's a a memorable movie 
And, you know, I still wasn't bored. So um, I think, you know, you don't even have to rewatch it because it's just burnt into your mind. <laughs> so what was your score? Uh, three. Helen. I mean, one thing it has got going for it is that it is only an hour and a half. So it's not like... You love a short to... movie. You do love a <laughs> short movie. <laughs> trying to like stretch it out over two and a half hours. Um, I mean, I'm unlikely to watch this again. If someone was to pick Shrek 4 to come on Flix Watcher, then obviously I would watch that. Um, <laughs> but that's a different film, so that's not repeat viewing. This is It's not. Uh, one yeah. and a half. Never say never, but unlikely. <laughs> I mean, I was confused. I was like, we've not had Shrek 1, I don't think, but let's let's go straight into Shrek 2. <laughs> I don't think we don't. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it does a beautiful recap at it's, the beginning. It's not, it's, not, it's not the two towers. It doesn't go straight into something that's like... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like one point five, is it, Helen? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go for one. Um I'm not sure I will watch it again willingly. Um twenty odd years ago is fine. And yeah, I was like, this is good. This is good. Fine. Um Zach, small screen score. Oh, it's very high. I feel like I'm skewing this results here. Uh, I think this film is better watched on the small screen than on the big screen. It is it is a film designed for children to be stuck in front of on a small screen and have a great time. Uh, honestly, it's a, it is a better experience at home than in the cinema, I think. Uh, and so for that, I will give it, I would say a four and a half, a 4.5. For sure. Liz. Uh, yeah, I agree. I had the same thought. I think both in terms of rewatchability and small screen, like it's a kid's movie. It's meant to be on repeat on the TV forever and ever. Four. Helen. Um, yeah, I don't. I Yeah, I wouldn't go to the cinema to see it. Um, I can't really remember that much about Shrek, the first one, but I seem to think the, the animation is slightly better in this one. It's kind of like less shit i think it, it looked a lot it has aged right hasn't it the, the animation i think Puss and boots is okay um but shrek was a bit yeah they hadn't, they hadn't fully worked out skin mm. i think that's another thing that i for me it, it kind of lacked the you know the, the the attention to detail that you get in in pixar for things like fur and and things like that, you know, like Ratatouille's fur, like the first time I saw that, like my heart went. Um, that didn't happen in this. Uh, so, yeah, small <laughs> screen, five. Yeah, I'm going to go for 4.8. I, I saw it in the cinema. It was, it was fine. Um, so the TV is it it also fine. So, yeah, 4.8. Yeah. <laughs> Engagement score, Zach. Um, engagement. I might put it lower because I think it's a film you can float in and out of. And it's almost, again, a better experience when you do. And it's just kind of in the background and you dip in at those vital moments. And you have a great time. But then when it lulls a little bit, you kind of, you can kind of drift away and go on your phone and play a little game and then come back. It's like, oh, they're breaking into the fairy godmother's thingy. Uh, I think probably... Two, two and a half, two and a half. Okay, Liz. I was going to give it higher, but Zach's kind of talked me around. I, I think that's that's right. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think it's, yeah, it is a short film and uh, interesting. Like, you know, it doesn't like linger on anything where you're going, oh my God, if this isn't, if this mm. could only be over yet. Uh, but I agree that also, yeah, you don't have to 
like pay attention to all of it. So no. <laughs> three. Helen. Well, I was going to give it a 2.5, but now that kind of seems like I should maybe have gone lower. But uh, yeah, it's, it's 2, 2.5. Um, it's one of those that you you don't need to pay that much attention to. Um, I kind of got sucked into reading some pretty kind of like weird out there letterbox reviews with people who were like really into Shrek and stuff. And then it's kind of pulled back when there's kind of a big song moment. So, yes, yeah, I'm in the 2.5 gang. Uh, 2.5 gang? Um, we're a gang now <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna work 2.5 i think it's Ooh. it's one of those films it's um i think it does if you have a moment to if you, you know, if you're watching it and you can give it a bit more attention there it, it is a bit layered there's a lot of stuff going on especially like your fairy tales and stuff but also there's that layer where you can just kind of throw it on and dance around your flats not dance around your flats i don't think music's that good but just do stuff around your flat and just have it on in the background and that gives us an overall score of 3.406 to five. Uh, That's fairly decent, is, though. Yeah, of course, of course. It's a, it's not a bad film. Toby, um, I can't tell if you're deliberately giving it like the point eight just to rile Helen. Is that is this an ongoing bit that I've yeah, Helen's, Helen's buckled now. I've made peace with it now. Gotcha. <laughs> I understand the system. I know how it works. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so do follow us on Twitter. We are at Flixwatcher, and the main reason to follow us is because we do put a little shout out before. We go into record asking for your opinions and it goes a little something like we're reviewing Shrek 2 with Zach FG and Liz X Campbell from Realms Pod. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and score out of five stars for an on-air shout out on Flipswatcher. And today we got one response from, uh, well, Zach, do you want to read it out? Uh, yeah, Lee Thomas says, uh, it's at Lee Thomas 5. Some good gags and references in this one. Plus, the soundtrack is superb. Bowie, Eels, Nick Cave, Tom Waits. Watched it with my five-year-old recently, and she loved it. Four stars from the Thomas family. Pretty good review, I think. Mm, I think if, you, if you're watching with Lillian then you might live vicariously through them, but otherwise, as, as an adult, <laughs> me, yeah. It's so brutal. <laughs> <laughs> or if you are a little one like Liz and I. Yeah, yeah. Perpetually five years old. We are the ones coming on from a, a podcast with a fantasy setting. Yeah. Liz. Well, I was going to say, do, do remind us of your podcast, guys. Uh, tell, us, tell us everyone where you can find it online, and then we'll say goodbye to the listeners. Yeah, uh, so you can head over uh, basically any social media platform, find Realms uh, Pod, R-E-A-L-M-S-P-O-D. And in your podcatcher of choice, you can find Realms of Peril and Glory. It is a fun actual play podcast where uh, myself and some wonderful players tell a thrilling epic mystery story about uh, averting the end of the world in a fantasy city. Uh, It is really quite funny actually and if you enjoyed listening to us today don't worry there is plenty of uh liz and myself in that podcast and and if you didn't enjoy listening to us today don't worry there's also other people in the show (laughs) well thanks very much guys and if you are listening to this after the 18th of august then just head over to realms pod now on your on your podcast of choice which is this one whichever one you listen to and uh listen and subscribe to them Thanks very much, guys. It's been a pleasure to have you back on once again. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flixwatcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. 
Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production. <laughs>